Jai Jai Sitchitanya Jai Anichananda Jai Adrita Chana Jaya Gora Bhaktarinda Jai Jai Sitchitanya Jai Anichananda Jai Adrita Chana Jaya Gora Bhaktarinda Um, so today, I uh, I wanted to, uh, after discussing uh, Buddhism for a couple of days, I felt inspired to just speak about the association of devotees, and and uh, and when we are looking at the um, teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to uh, Sanatan Goswami and then there is quite a, a lengthy uh, portion of the discussion about Sadhu Sangha and uh, I've just lifted a few verses out of that uh, that area and uh, not able to uh, to do everything but uh, so Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Shastrakai Loba Matra, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Siddhi The verdict of all revealed scriptures is that by even a moment's association with the pure devotee, one can attain all success. Chaitanya Charitamrita Madhya Lila, chapter 22, text 54. Mm. So yes, the... Uh, Association of devotees has been uh, been glorified um, throughout Scripture as essential. And uh, if we look at what transpires, um, one of the uh, the main things about association is that uh, association awakens desire in the heart. Uh, in contrast with the uh, with with this verse about the association of devotees, there's also the association of uh, non-devotees, and then asat sangha chak e vaishnava char stri sangi sadhu krishna bhaktivar. A vaishnava should always avoid the association of ordinary people. Common people are very much materially attached, especially. To women, Vaishnavas should also avoid the company of those who are not devotees of Lloyd Krishna. Um, I think that uh, before I, uh, I, I zoom in on the topic, uh, we saw women mentioned here, and I'd like to make a comment on that to say uh, that in, uh, in modern times, we would have said common people are very much materially attached, especially to sex. But that's not something that is being said so much in the uh, it's, it, 500 years ago at the time when Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami is writing. It's a, it's a subject matter which is not, uh, not discussed so much. So oftentimes 
uh, when we're reading, we could, could just, in our mind, we could just change, especially to women, for especially to sex, because uh, there are many women in the Chaitanya Charitamrita to whom this would not apply. Uh, it doesn't apply to, uh, to Sachimata, it doesn't apply to Malini, it doesn't apply to all the, the wonderful devotees that are there. Uh, it's just talking about engaging men and women in lusty activities. Uh, and, uh, and, and we're looking, obviously, at a society that is very, very different. Um, a society that, uh, where women are in a much more uh, domesticated role and... Uh, more in support to men, a patriarchal society uh, in India 500 years ago. One might say that the Chaitanya Charitamrita is a pure transcendental literature, which is establishing uh, the, the, the pure culture of the spiritual world. And it is, but it is at the same time rooted in, in a particular culture. Uh, we see that uh, Sachimata as a Brahmin lady is not walking out in the street. And when she goes to the house of uh, Advaita Acharya to uh, meet her son, she's brought in a palanquin, and, which is all closed with curtains and everything, uh, which is kind of uh, unthinkable in, in, in modern days that any... Uh, any lady would have to live a life so uh, so away from uh, from public interaction. So it is a very different culture. Anyway, so therefore, for anyone who noticed the the word women here, I'm not focusing in this lecture on women issues. I mean, we'll do it some other time, not today. I'm talking about association. And I'm talking about the, uh, the value of association with devotees, and I'm talking about the effect of mundane association. So the first uh, point is, is that uh, association awakens desire. Association may uh, involve us in certain activities because everybody is doing so we'll just basically do what everybody does like Sanatana Goswami when coming uh, before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was saying I am a low-class man because I'm always associating with low-class men uh, although he was a, a Karnataka Brahmin by background and and uh, an aristocratic Brahmin family, and obviously had many of these qualities. Right? But, okay, so association is certainly bringing us uh, into, uh, you know, into activities that, uh, that are common and, and may rub off in a more subtle way. Right? Even if one would say... Uh, no, but I have my own, my own standards. So I'm associating with mundane people, and, but I'm not, uh, not really 
acting in the same way as they do, because internally I am a, a devotee. Maybe, but still, there is some, uh, some influence. The way people speak, the way they, they deal, uh, just like, uh, you know, the, the English word, guy, you know, this guy, that guy. Uh, when that comes into the association of devotees, then uh, that's very different than the culture of, than a spiritual culture. Uh, where Vaishnavas address each other as Prabhu. Uh, now that's, uh, we're looking at both of these cultures and uh, um, when we look at Vedic culture um, and when we see remnants of it in, in India and everyone is, is always calling each other Prabhu, which means master, and uh, tripping over their feet in awe and reverence, then it seems uh, extremely, uh, well, then that appears artificial from a, from a Western point of view. Um, and that re appears to be very distant. Yes. So that Vedic culture is also not the, the Vaishnav culture, although there is respect in the Vaishnav culture. Uh, at the same time, there's also intimacy, uh, and uh, it is significant that uh, whenever uh, in, in Bengali uh, we are referring to the Supreme Lord, it's always to me, which means the, uh, the intimate common form for you, right? Not apne, not the polite form for you. Uh, in English, unfortunately, they don't have any distinction between these words. Uh, other languages do. Uh, English is the only language I know where everybody is you. Right? Uh, so, what can be? But uh, it's very interesting that, in, that, that uh, so the non-respectful form is used for the Supreme Lord, because that intimacy is there. Uh, we see the same that in, uh, in South India, in Tirupati, uh, the South Indian name for the deity in Tirupati temple is, is Lord Venkatesh, uh, Venkatesh. Uh, but the, uh, the North Indians, they gave him the name Balaji. Uh, Balaji, which means Krishna in his child form, because obviously many, uh, many North Indian devotees, possibly of a Pustimark origin, who are worshipping Krishna, especially in that child form, uh, might have visited the place and have, uh, it is said the name Balaji is not a South Indian uh, name, it is a North Indian uh, reference. So North India is very different, and in the uh, in uh, in Vrindavan, in in the Boma Vrindavan, Vrindavan on Earth, uh, where there's also a local culture, and that local culture, of course, is not the same as the culture of the spiritual world, the eternal residence, but still within that Vrindavan culture. 
there is uh, there is a very strong uh, Vaishnav culture, very Krishna-centered culture, or and Radharani-centered culture, and uh, and in that culture, uh, the whole concept of of caste and so on is much less prominent than in India in general. I mean, I remember when I lived in Vrindavan, there was a a barber. And in India, a barber is is considered a very low-class occupation because uh, hair is considered something contaminated. So anyone who is a sudra, is low, but then amongst the sudras, they also make distinctions. And a sudra who's engaging in low-class work like that is uh, is is considered to be at a very low uh, low rung on the social ladder. Well, uh, but this particular barber was a Vaishnava, and everyone was just. Uh, treating him with great respect. And, and he was also uh, speaking about Krishna, and he was speaking uh, philosophy, and uh, he was uh, well-read in the Bhagavatam, but somehow or other he was a barber at the same time. And uh, so these kind of distinctions were not as rigid as in, the, uh, as in general in India. Of course, Brahmanism also exists in, in that Vindavan culture and, and casteism is also there. But, uh, for example, in Vrindavan, uh, a sannyasi walking around with a big tanda doesn't really impress the, uh, the locals, right? Because it's not that you are someone by your your uh, external status. It's very much, this, we are a community of devotees. Uh, that is the predominant culture. So, uh, so we can look at uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's, uh, um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement in, the, in its social setting of a, of a Varnashram culture around them. Um, we have discussed how there was strong Brahmanism, strong smarter Brahmanism at the time. And then we can look at it at the Vaishnav culture, um, where, uh, where Vaishnavas respected each other by, by their advancement. And Haridas Thakur was, uh, was offered the Sraddha-Patra, uh, offered the... Uh, while Advaita Acharya was performing a Shraddha ceremony, a ceremony for his, uh, the welfare of his ancestors, as part of the ritual, um, they were, uh, at one point, one should feed the Brahmanas. And, uh, and he fed Haridas Thakur, and in this way put Haridas Thakur above the Brahmanas. So we can see that within the Vaishnav community, uh, this was not so, so rigid. We see another example 
of uh, Kala Krishna Das, who was really into taking the remnants of all the Vaishnavas, because somehow or other he had realized that if you take the remnants, the food remnants of Vaishnavas, that then you get the greatest mercy. And he, practically speaking, somehow or other managed to get the remnants of every Vaishnava in Bengal, except for one named Jadu Thakur. And Jadu Thakur, he was a sudra by caste. And therefore Jadu Thakur said, my remnants, oh no, oh no, 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 no way. Nobody can take my remnants. I'm so fallen. No, 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 no. So externally he was acting according to his, uh, according to a caste system. But anyway, then, then Kali Krishna does, he went there and he presented some really nice mangoes to the family. And then, well, you know, I mean, uh, and then he waited outside. It was around dinner time, so it was dark and he was hiding. And they were eating from, uh, from banana leaves in Bengal. They would just go cut some leaves and cut them in portions, as they still do today, and make that into plates. It's considered to be a very first-class plate. So they were eating from those plates. So at the end, when the family had all feasted on the mangoes, which are very, very nice, then they, uh, they threw the banana plates and, uh, and the peels outside. And then Kalakrishnadas came and he just licked those plates and sucked the seeds and had all the peels and... He had the remnants of, uh, of Jadu Thakur. He was in great ecstasy. And it's very interesting how later, how later that uh, Kala Krishnadas got the, uh, was in Jagannath Puri. And in Jagannath Puri, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, before entering into the temple of Lord Jagannath, his servant Govinda would uh, wash his, uh, his lotus feet and pour water in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu held his feet out over, uh, over a, a ditch and then a servant poured water. And then as the Lord is holding out his foot and the servant is pouring water, this Kala Krishna does his hand, just goes, and he has, takes the water, takes the water of the lotus feet of Mahaprabhu. And he did it three times, three times. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu grabbed his arm and said, now it is enough. I've given you more mercy than anyone else. So this was really interesting because Kali Krishna does, he was taking the remnants from the Vaishnavas and uh, not only does one by taking such remnants attain the qualities of the Vaishnavas, um, but he attained even more than any other Vaishnava. He attained more mercy than any other Vaishnava. Uh, we have another reference in our Vaishnava literature of Srimad Bhagavatam, where Narada Muni was the son of a maidservant, and as a young boy during the rainy season, there were some great devotees, Bhakti Vedanta, staying in, in their house. And he was uh, serving them as a young boy, and, and, and he asked if he could take some of the remnants. And they said, yes, and he took them. And that is mentioned that the remnants along with the instructions 
of these saintly personalities uh, was the cause for Narada to become very transcendental. And when at, at the age of five, his mother was bitten by a snake, then he just had the spiritual strength to, uh, to see it as an arrangement of the Lord. And he left home and he just uh, sat under a tree and started meditating as he had been instructed by these uh, personalities, these devotees. So in the association of devotees, uh, there is uh, mercy is being transferred. When we speak about mercy, um, mercy is happening in various ways. It may happen in a, in a mystical way, and it, the transfer of mercy may happen in a more practical way. If we're looking at the, uh, uh, the mystical way, well, the prasadam, you know, remnants, that is more on the mystical side of things, right? Something... Uh, something happens, right? What exactly? How can we see? Uh, and so there is a mystical element. Just being in the association of great devotees, somehow or other, one gets, uh, one gets benefited. Um, uh, for example, there's a reference where it says that uh, the wind, the wind which has touch the body of Vasudev Dutta and then blows on anyone will, will purify that devotee. Right? So now we're talking about wind that is blowing on the bodies of, uh, of devotees. So the, uh, it is like that. It's, uh, it's, it's quite uh, amazing to see the effect of such such uh, Vaishnav association um, in ways that we cannot perceive. Uh, surely no one uh, perceived it that the wind uh, was acting in such way. And, and so there's a whole invisible mystic uh, effect going on. And then... Uh, and then there is more. Uh, then there's uh, a more measurable uh, mercy. Uh, the uh, more practical, like Narada, who received uh, instructions and uh, and who followed these instructions. So then it becomes a matter of, uh, of uh, transfer of divyam jnanam, right? Or of uh, transcendental knowledge. And uh, so that is there. Uh, Vaishnavas are also known to, uh, to be able to um, transfer or transform, sorry, to transform any, any place that they have been. Uh, it is said that uh, the Vaishnavas who go to holy places, uh, unlike uh, ordinary persons who go there to become purified, the Vaishnavas purify the holy places. 
um, in Bhagavatam, Yudhisthira mentions how the Vaishnavas themselves are holy places and, uh, and the Vaishnavas create holy places or places that are invested with transcendental power. Um, so uh, in this way, just being in places where Vaishnavas have been is very powerful. Uh, now, when we speak about the association of devotees, we can also wonder what is really happening. And earlier in this talk, I was speaking about how it affects our desire. Um, because uh, no living being is ever independent. There's no question of being independent. Uh, we, are, we may be a particular individual with a particular nature and with particular characteristics. And yet, uh, different circumstances bring out a different aspect of our personality. Uh, and uh, it is mentioned in, uh, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and in other scripture, uh, how we are determined by the association we are with. And then in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the point is made that just as a person can only see himself by the light of the sun, in the same way, we can only really know ourselves in relation to Krishna. So that is really interesting huh? because we're always in relation to a place, Boma Ijadi, to see oneself according to the land of one's birth. Uh, uh, we, are, we are influenced by the people we are with and we just uh, conform. Uh, psychologists have spent ample time on showing how people conform and uh, YouTube shows interesting experiments, you know, like, for example, uh, there's a man and he's in an elevator and he wears a lift, uh, oh, sorry, he wears a hat. And uh, one floor down, two more people come in. Eh? They also wear a hat. Now, as they come in, you know, uh, the man who's already in the elevator, he's facing the door where he came in. Eh? Naturally, he's looking at the door. But the, uh, the other man, they come in and they look at the other side. They turn around and they face the other wall and, and they stand to the other wall. So now the first man, he's sort of like looking at them and there's a, there's a camera in the, in the elevator. And after a while, you see that he's turned half. Yeah? He's turned half. And, uh, and then uh, they do quite a number of floors. And then he is, uh, and the next floor down, uh, you see he's st there's still an elevator. And now he's fully turned to the other side. And then, uh, and then the other two men who also wear hats, they take off their hats. And then after a while, the first man also takes off his hat. Uh, so uh, conforming uh, is, of course, something 
very common, call it uh, the herd syndrome, right? And, and how everyone is a different shade of gray and, uh, and how basically um, that has a very strong effect. So one might say that is a, is a strong element of, of association. Uh, that's just a psychological element. Yes, that may be there. Um, peer pressure is certainly mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Um, it is like uh, in the case of Gadadhar. Uh, Gadadhar was in Jagannath Puri. At that time, Vallabhabhata came. And Vallabhabhata was a learned scholar, a little proud, who was... Uh, who had written his own commentary on Bhagavatam, and in that commentary on Bhagavatam, he was in disagreement with Sridhar Swami, something that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not appreciate. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not want to hear his commentary. And, uh, but Gadara was very soft by nature and, and very submissive, and just could not really uh, stand up against anyone. Vallabhabhata was a very strong, forceful personality. So Vallabhabhata liked Gadadhar. Uh, and then he decided, he just cornered Gadadhar one day and just pinned him against the wall and started reading his commentary to him. And Gadadhar didn't want to hear it, but there was just no way he was reading it to him. So, and Gadadhar, he stood there and, 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 and he knew, he knew that Lord Chaitanya would understand and would forgive him, but he was worried about the devotees, uh, what they would think and what uh, and how they would respond. You know, because he said the devotees uh, they're not as tolerant. It was mentioned there as the Supreme Lord. Uh, so certainly, uh, certainly we see. Uh, peer pressure mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita as, as an element of, uh, of, of association in the Vaishnava community, a factor that that played. But uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's obviously not the main principle. Uh, when Sanatan Goswami, uh, he met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for the first time in, uh, in Varanasi and received instructions from him there, and then a second meeting took place in Jagannath Puri. At that time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in the association of uh, many of the devotees who were visiting from Bengal, such as Advaita Acharya, Sivananda Sane, and uh, Srivas, and so many others uh, who all had come. And uh, then what happened was, is that... Uh, um, the, the Vaishnavas, they were uh, offering, uh, they were offering Sanatan Goswami uh, friendship um, because he was a, was a devotee. They offered him uh, honor because he was also a learned scholar. And they offered him mercy. Um, were they more advanced than Sanatana Goswami? Um, not necessarily. Uh, that, was not, that was not necessarily the criterion uh, for giving mercy. 
They simply, although it is, it does exist that between more advanced and less advanced uh, Vaishnavas, the exchange is one is a vertical one of of mercy being uh, being given. Um, but then again, uh, I'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, but in the case of Sanatana Goswami, it was simply that uh, these Vaishnavas, they had had so much association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And because they had so much association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they were treasure houses filled with mercy because of that association. And that wasn't just about, uh, about their... Uh, about their ability to tell pastimes, but it was also how these pastimes had entered into their heart and had transformed them as a person. And, and that was also reflecting. So they were all carrying that, that, that special mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the transforming uh, power of that they carried within themselves and that transformation could also be passed on to others. Um, okay, then back for a moment about the vertical uh, relationships between seniors and juniors. Um, okay, that there's an element of that which is natural because after all, uh, seniority is now measured by spiritual advancement and by having penetrated deeper into um, developing one's love of God and transcendental knowledge. And therefore, uh, a person then would be considered to be a superior Vaishnava who then naturally can give mercy. But then we're also uh, seeing how Prabhupada uh, took a, a very humble position and said, and said that Krishna didn't send him so many disciples, but Krishna sent him so many spiritual masters. And by seeing all these disciples as spiritual masters, which is quite something. And uh, I thought about that and I think like, well, how, how, because it's one thing to artificially uh, take that position and to sort of uh, say, oh, yes, yes, I'm so fallen. Yes, yes, everyone is my spiritual master. But obviously, how could Prabhupada possibly see like that? And um, after thinking about it, my conclusion is, is that uh, because every, everyone is a unique individual, and everyone as a unique individual has a unique inspiration and a unique creativity in serving Krishna. And everyone does that in his own way. Uh, just like, uh, you know, the other day, a devotee who would be considered junior to me, because he's my disciple, he did my puja and then and he's done it before because he used to travel with me and uh, we used to sometimes both 
both do the puja to Giriraj. But then, uh, so our, so we did puja for a long time and we were taking turns and doing puja while we were traveling together. And uh, recently I did puja again because he was visiting me and then it reminded me of that and how his puja enhanced my puja, right? And probably my puja also had an effect on, on his puja because when I look at his altar, in some ways it looks a bit like mine. Yeah. Um, yes. So I detect some influence there. And uh, so in this way, uh, one can see that that senior, junior is not necessarily uh, so relevant at times one can learn, one can take inspiration from, uh, from juniors as well, and therefore mercy flows also that way. Because they're also instruments of mercy. Right? So even, even that way mercy flows. Because the flow of mercy is amazing. Right? And that is there in the in the association of the Vaishnavas. There is the the flow of mercy. And the Vaishnavas are, are preoccupied with that flow of mercy. That is really the substance of their uh, entire association. That's what it's about. That is the core of it. Uh, somehow or other, the mercy, the flow of mercy and uh, and, and uh, you know, um, some, some as, as a spiritual master, one is in a very fortunate position because many people bring mercy. Like I had some disciples who went all over India to all kinds of important temples where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had been or really other like prominent Vaishnav temples Vishnu temples in, in India, and they brought Mahapasadam from all these temples. And then they, bought, they brought this beautiful, uh, you know, tali uh, plate, like a copper, big brass plate, big brass plate, the ones they use for offering to deities. And then they put all that Mahapasadam on there, and they just brought it to me. And... I never went to all those holy places, but all I had to do was just like sample all the Mahapasadam, right? And uh, which I did, and then of course I returned that plate to them. Uh, and uh, in this way, the whole thing, was, they brought me mercy. That is the point. I was a recipient of their mercy. Um, so this is very nice. This is, uh, this is Vaishnava's business, uh, to preoccupy themselves with mercy in various forms. And whatever form that mercy may, may come in, uh, whether that is in the form of, uh, of transcendental knowledge, whether that is in the form of... Uh, of, uh, of uh, just uh, some affection. Like I have some relationship with some Vaishnavas 
and uh, like uh, Buri John Prabhu and myself, we were many years together in uh, in Vrindavan. He was my GBC. I was the temple president. He was uh, when I was uh, very very injured, and I had lost in India, and I had lost four liters of blood, uh, my condition was critical, and the hospital didn't have any blood, right? Uh, not enough. They had some, but not enough to uh, for my blood group and this and that they didn't have. So uh, it was Borijan who somehow or other made a huge effort to find all the, 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 the necessary people who could donate blood. And uh, it had to be very, very fast, right? Very, very fast, because obviously uh, the liver bleeds, it was injured. And when that is injured, the, the doctors say it bleeds really, really, really intense. So the blood loss is very, very high. So, and, and still going on. So not just losing four liters of blood, but Ten bleeding, so uh, they had to give so much blood, uh, not just the four liters, but also they had to refurbish the further blood loss during the op. So they had to get all that, and some or other Burijan was really so he he really I'm indebted. He saved my life, and uh, that is something uh, I'm. Uh, and we have, have a bond, you know, a deep bond. So one year he was, uh, there was there was this retreat at Govardhan, he was also there, and someone else was speaking, and he's just sitting there, and I'm walking into it. And uh, at one point he sees me, doesn't say anything. I say, Hare Krishna. He just takes my hand, and... He and, he and he takes me to Govardhan like a kid by the hand. And I'm standing there, you know, in front of Govardhan. And still he doesn't say anything. Takes me back like a kid on the hand. <laughs> <laughs> and then delivers me back to where I was sitting before and just walks away. <laughs> it was very nice. It's like, <laughs> it was just affectionate. And... Uh, kind of almost parental, you know. But well, he's older, and he's also the older devotee, I guess. So I guess he has some parental feelings for me. But uh, it was interesting. He, uh, he gave me the darshan of, of Govardhan, because he knows I live a crazy life of just pouring out all this energy and trying to be a conduit of mercy. And uh, and he always he's told me so many times nourishment you know nourishment right spiritual nourishment and this time he didn't say anything he just gave me a little spiritual <laughs> nourishment and that was it but this is nice you know so I I do appreciate uh, uh, how the Vaishnavas are providing us with spiritual nourishment. Uh, and it's it's very uh, very much required, you know. And each has some mercy to carry, you know. This morning I had a visitor who came and had a darshan of my deity, and then they brought their deity also, and they had 
at the darshan of the deity. So it was deity's darshan, and that was an exchange of, uh, of spiritual nourishment and of the flow of mercy. So Vaishnava's principle, principal preoccupation is to increase the flow of mercy. Um, and we're seeing that this is uh, this has been going on ever since uh, since Krishna uh, connected with Lord Brahma. Uh, we're seeing Lord Brahma, okay, seated on his lotus in a dark universe, and then there is suddenly uh, tapa, right? Two syllables, all right. Uh, he understood what it means and practice austerity and. The Lord uh, then uh, reveals Himself to him, and uh, and then um, all these things are being manifest within Lord Brahma, and then later that uh, transcendental knowledge that manifests in Lord Brahma comes out of His four mouths, right? And in this way, the Vedas. Uh, flow into the universe and then there is that and then that Vedic literature is received everywhere, the Vedic knowledge the Vedic sound and that sound is echoed uh, until we see like the uh, uh, the Kinaras who look just like Garuda and who have wings and are flying around and their wings are producing the sound of the Samaveda and it's just echoing everywhere, and just brahmanas are reciting. The recitation of Vedic literature, of, of the Vedic sound, that is really the big thing. I mean, when Vyasadeva start to write it down, uh, then and by the time it reaches us so many years later, uh, we are associating with Vyasadeva through, uh, by reading. And here we sit and we read it and we silently read it to ourselves. But actually to recite Vedic literature is mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita, that one should recite Vedic literature and that by regularly reciting, reciting these verses. And we know when some people do that, they read out loud and, uh, and uh, it enters deeper into the consciousness. So Prabhupada is saying, when we are reading the nectar of devotion, then we are directly associating with uh, with uh, with Rupa Goswami, right? Is it a direct association with Rupa Goswami? So that's very interesting. Now we're suddenly having an extended means of association. We're not only associating with Vaishnavas who are here, but we're even associating with Vaishnavas who are uh, who are uh, who are um, sorry I got distracted by technology some pop-up thing um, we're even associating with Vaishnavas who are not physically present and why only with Vaishnavas we're even associating with Krishna in that way um, when we're chanting the holy name of Krishna, we're directly associating with Krishna. When we are hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, it is the literary incarnation of Krishna. And we're uh, literally, to say it, we're literally associating with Krishna.
So disassociation is the whole key, and that is, is what we're doing. Um, initially, our devotional service is, is in practice, um, but it's the same activity of associating with Krishna. And what we call sadhana is, or our, our practice, our devotional practice, is simply associating with Krishna, directly associating with his name, associating with him directly in the form of Bhagavatam, rather than just only philosophically seeing how Krishna is the cause of all causes. Uh, through transcendental knowledge, we make a philosophical adjustment, and through that philosophical adjustment, we're beginning to see the world around us through Shastra Sakshus, and we become have a philosophical outlook, and we see Krishna thoroughly behind everything. Uh, Bhagavatam makes us thoroughly see Krishna behind everything, not that only that Krishna is the origin of everything, but Krishna is also still expanding himself in so many deity forms, and then uh, these are all controlling different aspects uh, of the uh, um, of the functioning of the various uh, uh, matters of our existence, uh, like uh, uh, Aniruddha is controlling the mind. We're talking now the Chaturvyuha, Vasudev, Sankarshan, Padyumna, Aniruddha. Aniruddha controls the mind. Uh, Pradyumna controls the intelligence. And there are actually active deities behind these, these things. And these are energies within, a, within us, right? That like... Uh, and these are controlled by the Supreme Lord. Um, so it's very interesting how these energies, these are energies of the Lord. I mean, when you think of our mind, you really think this is like so much part of me. But by uh, my intelligence is part of me, it's part of my being, it's who I am, it defines me. And maybe even more than, uh, you know, at least it means more to me, right? It's like one thing, you know, uh, like I am from uh, from uh, the hippie era, one could say. I was born just after the after the Second World War, and there was a whole thing where the the where a whole generation sang, "Can't buy you love, money can't buy you love," and. I sang it, and I believed it, and I lived it, and um, and and with it, you know. And there's a whole generation who were taking uh, taking marijuana, hashis, and uh, hallucinogenics, right, uh, or drugs that were giving an, an altered experience of, uh, of of consciousness and uh, you know LSD by Aldous Huxley uh, he wrote a book about it called the doors of perception right and that it changed the whole perception so uh, I certainly uh, was influenced by that uh, association because if you didn't partake, you are not part of a generation. You are basically a, 
you were an outcast. You were not part of whatever you was going through. Uh, whenever you walked into a room, there was incense burning in the room and there was some pipe or some chiln going around in the room, or at least a joint. That's just how it was. I can't think of any room you would step in where that wasn't going on. Right? So, uh, and I can't say that I uh, steered clear from it all. I, I didn't. And neither did the personalities in the Prabhupada Lila Amrita. And then LSD. Yes, you know, uh, there were people who took LSD like 750 times or and I met them after. And uh, well, what can you say? Uh, some of them, uh, you know, there were people who would throw 40 LSD trips in a teapot uh, and then would four people drink the tea. Uh, I was always afraid of that because I like my brain. Right? I like to have a brain and I was always afraid. It's like, of like, um, this, this stuff is, gonna, is killing your brain. As I was taking the tablet, I knew this is now killing many brain cells. Uh, so I didn't take it that often, a couple of times. Um, because of, uh, of, of being attached to the brain. But now we're reading here that that's just an energy of, of Krishna. Uh, and uh, yes, that is uh, very dear to us, um, these energies of Krishna. Mm. And all these, uh, all these qualities are being enhanced, uh, enhanced in devotional service. Dadami buddhi yogam tam. Yes, in, through devotional service, dadami buddhi yogam tam, I give intelligence. We also see how Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya says, Tarka shusta jana ami amar which means that uh, by reading all these scriptures on logic, uh, my brain has become dull. <laughs> it's very interesting because everyone, people are doing Sudoka puzzles and stuff like that to sharpen their brain. And, you know, it's generally thought logic is sharpening the intelligence, right? But here... Uh, here we see how in the association of the Vaishnavas, a different definition of intelligence is being applied. And it is an intelligence, the Dhami Buddhi Yogam Tam, where we attain Krishna. Uh, so the association of the Vaishnavas is really something. And as I'm giving this talk, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not even approaching the end. I kind of feel I haven't really taken off yet. Uh, gosh, I just started. And the time is sort of reaching, uh, at least the regular slot is coming to an end. And I almost, and without, and I thought it was just going to be 
uh, an easy, quick topic, but as I'm on it, it just starts to live a life of its own. Um, um, what Vaishnava Association does, and an important element of it, is it creates, um, it creates faith. Faith in the heart of, of the devotees. And, and um, one sees the, uh, the natural, one sees the happiness in the Vaishnava. And one sees how the Vaishnava has turned away from the things in the world, the pleasures, uh, the pleasures of the flesh. And, and we just see how, which bring us happiness and distress. And we know it only, only too well, right? only too well. While we are caught up in these pleasures, we only know too well that they bring us happiness and distress. Uh, um, but the Vaishnavas who are, are not interested in, in these things and have just, just given it up. Uh, Sanatam Goswami gave up his touchstone that could turn uh, ordinary metal into gold. And alchemy. alchemy. And, uh, and just threw it away. And when one man heard about that and came for it, Sanatam said, yes, you can have it. The man was very happy. But the next day he came back because he said, why, if you had this, if you had this stone, why did you give it up? And Sanatan Goswami had a higher interest. And that man developed faith in Sanatan Goswami because he could see, he developed faith in, in, in the teachings that Sanatan Goswami was following. So therefore the Vaishnavas create faith. They create faith because of their superior qualities, which are visible and noticeable. And ever the mercy, one aspect of the mercy is it creates faith. And the more a Vaishnava is, is advanced, the more faith he can create, the deeper that faith goes. And, uh, and then uh, just loba matra sadhu sangha, just one moment with a Vaishnava can create faith. And sometimes even faith can grow uh, from people who are uh, themselves not following. But they can also be carriers of, uh, of transcendental knowledge. Like we have the example of Bilva Mangalatagra in Chintamani, who was a prostitute, but who somehow or other, and he came in a stormy night, so much trouble, and somewhere across the river, this, that, came to her house. She said, you have come in this weather? How is it possible? Said, you are so, so attached, so much determination. She said, if you would have only, only directed that determination to the Supreme Lord, you would be self-realized by now. And bang, you know, bang, like lightning. It struck him and he just uh, took it. He took it and just, 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 went for spiritual life. And whatever else happened there, there were 
hills and valleys after that. You know, there were moments of glory and moments of weakness still. But in the end, he persevered and became a great, great Vaishnava. Um, so it works like that. And, and I also, in, in my life, uh, you know, have experienced that in, in my town, there were some, some people who were into, uh, into Krishna a bit. They liked Krishna and they had some knowledge about Krishna. But they were completely into into drugs, and they had like, and they were wild, and they were like a bit crazy. But uh, and they were never able to themselves become serious about devotional service. But still, Krishna was with them, and uh, and it wasn't just that I got Krishna from them, but they uh, they reaffirmed it in me. They just by their association, um, my own commitment to Krishna became stronger. Although the boy, I would never leave him in my house because he was doing heroin. And I would never leave, you know, I was living in a place where lots of people were doing heroin. And my rule was nobody who does heroin comes inside. No way. Uh, I'm, I'm like that, you know. Um, and they would call me when there was a crisis. Somehow or other, they'd come knock on the why, but they thought I could help them because I knew them. And then someone had an overdoses, and then I wound up, they called me, and I wound up calling the police and arranging an ambulance to take them to the hospital. They knew I could, could help them for some reason, but I never let them in my house. But there's one person... He had, uh, he had this, uh, he liked Krishna and his girlfriend also. And, and through them, I was strengthened, strengthened in my faith, in my commitment to Krishna. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll think about doing a bit more because uh, I spoke a lot uh, about this topic now. Um, a bit free form going here and there and everywhere and I actually have a whole lot of quotes that I collected that I didn't use but that are all very nice and that uh, so maybe I'll do a part two on it tomorrow but I'm saying maybe because you never know you know what inspiration will come again uh, this evening Thank you very much and see you again uh, tomorrow. Hare Krishna.